actually Ephesians chapter 5. Obviously, I'll have more than just that, but we will be there, so it will help you to have that Bible and to just understand what Paul is teaching us. Now, let me just ask you an interesting question. Did you ever dream of living a life like the disciples did in the book of Acts, and in just 40 to 60 years, they turned their world totally upside down for Jesus Christ. Would you like to impact your world like they did? Is that lifestyle really possible today? Well, you're going to see absolutely right directly from the Bible. Now, this is simply a minute or two of last week. If you are not here, I encourage you to get that te teaching. You can go to the website, calvaryccm.com. Last weekend, we learned that God wants every Christ follower to live the lifestyle I just talked about. Now, notice on the overhead, we shared this with you last week, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After salvation, after water baptism, as you begin to disciple, that is the first step, the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit. But it is only the doorway. See it right there on the door. It is only on the doorway. It is an event that happens to your life. But as you can see that, to get to the spirit-filled life, which we'll show you in a moment, you got to go forward. You have to go forward. And that's called the spirit-filled life. Now, Jesus' disciples watched Jesus for three years live the spirit-filled life, and I'll give you a definition again if you missed last week, and that's the life that they wanted. Remember, Paul became a Christian quite later with a supernatural thing with God speaking to him on the road at going to Damascus to kill Christians, but he wrote, he knew what the spirit-filled life was, and he wanted that exactly. So here's kind of the statement. Many Christ followers have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is essential. That is essential. It's not an option. But they don't go forward. They simply have never discovered and experienced what walking through that door and moving out into real life, being led by the Spirit, they never were able to experience that or discover what it is. Now, what is that Spirit-filled life? Here it is. It's a lifestyle directed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that means we are going to be under his influence. We are going to submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, all of this just goes back, way back in history. Jesus was baptized. He's our role model that's why the disciples wanted to be just like this, because they followed him for three years. They learned so much. Remember, Jesus was baptized in water, then baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next thing you know, he was filled with the Spirit. He went to temptations, came out still for the Spirit because he defeated Satan's temptations. And then he was led by the Spirit. And then at the end, he began ministry of the Spirit. And that is when his ministry really started, with the baptism of the Spirit and the Spirit-filled life as he went along. Now, Paul is going to teach us, and notice, under his influence, U-H-I, to have an effect upon us individually. 
and to guide us and impact our lives. We are, the minute you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. And he came in to live in you in a permanent way. And he's there for us. And we went through all kinds of blessings he gives us. Many, I'm not obviously going through tonight. So we're going to look at something. And Paul is going to show us why this spiritual life needs to be two things. Renewed and refreshed. Renewed and refreshed. Say it with me. Renewed and refreshed. And you'll see exactly why. Now, turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. If sometimes you have trouble, I just do this. General Electric Power Company. That's where it is. You can just find that right there. Ephesians, General Electric Power Company. Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful. Paul's writing. Then how you live. Not as unwise, you guys in Sebastian and Vieira, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says it like this. Live, basically, don't live like fools. I like it. But live like those who are wise. How many would like to live as a fool instead of as wise? Nobody. That's smart. Good. You fit. Perfect. So Paul is saying, don't be stupid. You're wasting something. Now, notice what he says. He reminds us where to live wisely. That means one thing. Knowing the value of time. Now, the word, when you see time, it is also a word, not just for the clock, the number of every 24 hours, 15 minutes, an hour, two and a half. It means opportunities. Time not to miss opportunities that God opens up. So you saw it right there in that verse, making the most of every opportunity, which obviously is connected with time. That's the way it is. Now, Paul reminds us as we do this, when you're thinking about this, I, let me give you an illustration of what happened this week. Very simple. I told you what happened at the dentist's place last week and how God just did a supernatural thing. This was just kind of a thing that I never even thought about. Opportunities. Think about the opportunities sometimes we miss because we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. We're just so busy with our things. Well, I went uh, this week and I went to basically Home Depot to uh, get mulch. Anybody ever get mulch? One of your favorite things to do, right? Uh, maybe not. Clean the car out afterward and whatever. So I went there and I went and got a bunch of bags and I went back an hour later and got a bunch more bags. And I was there. Uh, I said to the gal, do, do you still have people that load the back of the car and all these bags? And I said, I'm a very strong person, but I'll take somebody that's bigger than me. And uh, here comes the guy out and he looks at me and goes, Pastor Mark. And I hadn't seen him, and he's not been in church for a while because he's been sick. And so he just, he just loaded the car with everything. And uh, as I talked to him, I just began to talk to him, how are you doing, what's happening, good to see you, glad to see you here, at least you're here. And you look pretty strong to me, loading all those bags. Eventually, it was 22 bags. I had two, two trips. 
in the, in the in back of my car. And uh, he said to me, well, Pastor Mark, I have a very serious medical situation, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. And you know, when I saw that, I said, this isn't an accident. God just opened an opportunity for me. It's not about me, but he loved this man. And so I said, would you mind if I stop right here, put my hands on you, and pray for you? He says, really? And I laid my hands on him. I wasn't weird. I didn't shout so people could notice. They didn't even know what I was doing. I just prayed for him. And he said, thank you, Pastor Mark, so much. That meant so much to me. Now, what if I was in a real rush? I see the guy. Hey, good to see you. Bye. Got to get home and put this stuff back. What have I done? I'm a fool. Do you get it? I wasted the opportunity God presented to me. So that's what Paul's trying to say. Don't waste your time on things that aren't meaningful. Use God's wisdom to take care of that opportunity when he opens it. Of course, that expands even more so to sparing the gospel, bringing people to Christ, and all of that kind of thing. So, now, here's what happens. Remember this. The most valuable resource God basically gives us is time. We don't have a lot of time. The Old Testament says, watch your time. Value your time. It's worth everything because time is just going for all of us. Look, look where we're at. Next week, we're in June in 2021. Think about that. Is, is time for you going like this? Or is it going like this? Or is it going like this? If you're older, it's gone past us already. It's going, going, going. But that's the way it is. Now, let me read to you Galatians 6. Therefore, Paul writes, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. In other words, to the believers. Now, what is the most valuable use of my time right now? Paul has an answer for it. Sometimes we're not sure, but he's got it answered perfectly. Here it is. If you're in Ephesians 5, verse 17, you can look at your Bible. I have it on the overhead for you, but it's good for you to see it in the Scripture in context. Therefore... Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, one of the greatest things we can know is the, the will of God, what he wants us to do. That is so important in our lives. We don't have time to waste and try to find our will. Remember, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. He has a will for all of us in all of these situations. Now, for those of you that are not Christians yet, the number one will has, God has for every person is to become a Christian first. Because that sends you forgiveness gone, heaven forever. 
So remember that. I'll remind you at the end of the service. Now, we don't have time to get sidetracked into majoring in minors because the days we live in are too evil. Now, do you think that the virus and all of that, do you think Satan was trying to distract us for these last year and a half? Yeah. Did, did we get distracted? Yes, many of us did. We all basically did. Let's be honest. It was, it's a lifestyle we never lived before. And it got us so distracted. And I told guys as we move through, making all of these changes, guys, help us. We can't get focused on all these details. Let's get focused on the mission of Jesus Christ. Let's go forward spiritually. This too will end. So that's what we've been focusing on. That's really what Paul is saying to all of us. Now, Paul reminds us in that verse not to be foolish but wise. Now, here's the whole key. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm in the will of God. Terrific. Way to go. But sometimes we move away from the center of the will of God. Look at this. A wise person lives in the center of God's will and thus uses time and opportunities wisely. Now, what is the priority of the opportunity and time? Here it is. The Bible teaches us three Priorities over and over again. God, people, and the use of our time related to time or opportunities. That's the way it works. So Jesus, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read these to you so you don't have to write anything down. Jesus, our role model, knew how to use his time wisely. Now, I know that Jesus knew, but we never knew. The disciples never knew. He knew, Jesus knew, he was only here for three years. And then he'd go to heaven after the cross. He knew that. The disciples didn't know that. And then when he told them, they didn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. But Jesus knew how to do this. Let me just read some things for you and watch this. And, and then I'll go through these scriptures. See, Jesus walked in the will of God, right smack in the middle of God. And thus knew exactly he would invest, here it is, his life in other people. That was his focus. That was his focus, and you'll hear that. Jesus teaches his disciples to do the very same thing. All Christ followers, this is key, all Christ followers should invest in people, not just things. Things go away. People will last and live somewhere, either heaven or hell, forever. So that's the value. Now, he knew... What the mission was about. It was always about people. Let me just read some of these. When I read the scriptures Jesus gives us, think what his focus was. What was his opportunities focused on? And you're going to see it's people, it's people, it's people, it's people, and their eternal destination and their spiritual welfare. Here we go. Come, Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's going to the lost. For even the Son of Man, another verse in Mark, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's another one from Jesus. I preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that's why I was sent. You remember that morning 
when Jesus got up early, he went to pray with his father alone. And Peter came. And Peter said, hey, there's all these people at the door. They came back from last night. They're ready to be healed like you did last night. And Jesus said, sorry. Uh, God told me, I, I need to use my time and an opportunity in the next town. They've never heard of any of this. So I'm going. I'm going to obey God. I'm going there. See, it's always about people. So that's what he did. Now, here's another one. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. He didn't just say, go, guys. No, he was seeking. We have to be seeking. Who's out there that needs Jesus Christ? That's valuable use of our time, and God opens those opportunities. Then he says this in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do, this is powerful, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. If you're a Christian, God has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. And he sends us out on a mission to see the world changed for Jesus Christ. You have to use, I have to use our time wisely and our opportunities wisely. People, lost people, matter. That's what it is. Now, here's a few quick time wasters. Worry and fear. How much do we go forward when we're worried all the time and are fearful? How much does that value us? Nothing. Worry accomplishes nothing. You don't change it. You know, remember the wheelchair I had? I mean, not the wheelchair, the, the, the crazy chair that goes back and forth. I'm worried. I'm worried. How far did you go? Well, a quarter of an inch. I got the dust out of there. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here. You see, you go nowhere with worry. You go nowhere. Jesus says, don't worry. Pray. And prayer takes care of the fear. Here's another one. Take a look. Procrastination. What if I would have said, like I gave you the illustration just a second ago, I'm too busy to talk to this guy. Put the thing in there. I got to get home. I got to get back and bring another load here. Careful. God's timing, his opportunities. Sometimes if we procrastinate, guess what happens to the opportunity? Watch me, watch me. Guess what happens to the opportunity? It's gone. It's gone. The timing is important for all of us. Now, Ephesians 5.18, if you have your Bible, or you'll see it here. Paul says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that isn't an option. This is a command from God. Well, Pastor Mike, I'm not really interested in that. You're in trouble. This is not a wish from Paul. This is a command from God. Repent, believe, put your trust in me. Command. It's a command. Basically, let me ask you a question. Don't answer me. I don't want you to answer me. But I want you to think about it for yourself. All of you guys at home watching online, you guys on uh, uh, Vieira Sebastian as well. Are you filled to the Holy, with the Holy Spirit right now? There are three possible answers. Yes. No. I don't know. That's the three answers. Yes. No. I don't know. That's why Paul is writing this section. He knew the key 
was to live the Spirit-filled life. Otherwise, we're useless for God. Now, Paul contrasts something strange, isn't it? Basically, he says this, coming under the control of alcohol versus being filled with the Spirit. In other words, the grammar says it like this. In the original language, it says this, clearly, constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit, renewed and refreshed. It isn't something you do once a year. Constantly continue to be filled and continue to be filled again and again and again and be renewed and refreshed. Now, when a person is filled, and I won't ask you because some of you come from that background and God freed you from uh, drinking too much or alcohol or whatever. When a person is filled or saturated with alcohol, it affects every part of them because the alcohol is controlling them. How many know that's true? How many know that's true? It's not to be embarrassed. It, it, that's the way it is. It controls it. How, how about marijuana? How about narcotics? Yeah, it's controlling you. And when you think about that, it affects their speech, their walk, their thinking, and their actions. You know what I'm talking about. It affects everything. Now, that is why Paul is using the contrast of being filled with alcohol and being filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling in the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event that we live off the rest of our life. It's a continued filling coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at this verb as he's talking there, keep on being filling, the verb, take a look, and I'll read it to you, and you don't have to write anything down, it's imperative. It means, in the original language, it's a command. It's not an option. Here, if you like this, go ahead with it. If you don't, don't worry about it. No, no, it's a command, not an option. Number two, the verb is plural. For all Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower and you're listening to me, there's no exception to you. You say, well, I, I can get out of that. No, you can't get out of that. That's for everybody. It is plural. It's not one or a few. It is absolutely for every Christ follower. Now, this is the one that we think we can do. The verb is passive. What does that mean, just passive? Well, I can think it up. I can do that. I can feel the Spirit. Cool. Don't need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll just be a good guy or a good gal, and I'll sing a few worship songs, and I'm there. No, it doesn't work that way. Think of this. The verb is passive, proving we cannot fill ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to fill it. Jesus had to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then that spiritual, spiritual-filled life. Now, so we are to yield ourselves, or another word that I like, we are to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, when does that happen? Here's the last one. The verb is not only imperative, plural, passive. The verb is present tense. Now, tonight, when you get up in the morning, and one of these nights, we used to do this often, two or three times a year on a midweek, we'd have a time just to be filled with the Spirit. Now, for those of you who have watched television, you see things, people rolling down the aisles and screaming and going weird. That's not what we're talking about at all. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not a weirdo. And, but we need his power. And one of these weekends, I'm going to ask everybody to be filled. And it's a very easy. Just three things you do. And it's private to you. And, and 
just to be filled, and I'll probably have you stand. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, tell me when that is so I won't be here. <laughs> you go ahead. Just email me. I'll be at your door. You'll do it right at home. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, because, you know why we couldn't do this before? Because when we would do that, people would just come to the altar and pray. Nothing weird. And uh, we would just pray for them because they, they kind of fall away from God. So we want to do that. So we'll do that. I've done that many times. I've seen lots of churches do this. We just stand. And it would be something like this. God, I want all you have for me. God, I need you, and I need your power, and I need your direction. I Forgive me of the things that I've done, and I ask you just to fill me tonight. How hard is that? If you mean it, will God fill you? Yeah, because it, it, can you earn it? No, it's a gift. So you just receive it. So when that happens, I don't know when that will be. God will direct that. But don't think it's like weird, because we just learned here it's not an option. By the way, I told you about that. My friend, for many years ago, a Methodist pastor, called me one night the next morning. I went to pharmacy school with him in Detroit, and he said, Pastor Mark, I think you've heard this, but I just used it a few weeks ago. He said, I got up this morning after my prayer time, and I spoke some language I've never had a class in. I said, well, that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. You just happen to have the gift of tongues on that particular case. And he just went, excited so much because we're there. But that's not what we're after. The whole reason for being filled with the Spirit is to love God more than anything and to be powerful, bold witnesses to a lost world. That's what the reason is for it. Now, to be Spirit-filled is to continually come under the influence, or we can say the word, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, we submit ourselves to fully obey and follow God. Then God is enabled to empower us to turn the world right side up and changing so many lives. And I'll talk about how Jesus showed us that, the changed lives that happened. And what does the Spirit-filled life look like? What is that? Well, some very much practical ones. Ephesians 5.19, I have it on the overhead. Paul says this, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So I want you, I've got two or three of these. I want you to say it with me now. Say this with me in a moment. Say it with me. Here we go. We will be what? Joyful. Joyful. Good. 520. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. That's a little more difficult. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now say this with me. Here we go. One, two, three. We will be thankful. So joyful, thankful. Now, by the way, a complaining heart or attitude doesn't match with joyful and thankful. It goes the opposite way. Now, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Say this with me. We will be graceful. Now, what do I mean by that? God's given us a chance to submit to him. What a graceful God. Because we don't deserve that. And we absolutely say, God, I'm actually excited to submit to you. 
Because I know your will is better than anything I could ever do in my life. We will be thankful, joyful, and graceful. Now, here's where it gets pretty broad, but it's 100% true. Remember we talked about the alcohol. affects all kind of things in you. The drugs, all that. Now watch this. The spiritual life will affect our speech, our attitude, our thoughts, our actions, and our relationships. Our speech will be controlled by the Spirit. He'll say to us, no, 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 no. Anger, bitterness, nope, don't don't do that. Because he knows what's in our mind. Our speech will be controlled by the Spirit, encouraging and truthful. Our attitude will be controlled by the Spirit, positive and grateful. Our witness will be controlled by the Spirit. We will want to talk boldly about Jesus. Our thoughts will be, bold, will be like the mind of Christ. Our relationships will be totally, absolutely affected in family, kids, work, church, anywhere. It affects our whole life in a positive way rather than the alcohol way. So we live 24-7 if God was in control of our lives. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why do we have to live 24-7 because in control of our lives? Well, because he is in control of our life. We'll talk a little next week about basically hurting, grieving the Holy Spirit. But here's the question I'm going to answer, and it won't take long. Why do we need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's what I want to show you. Many years ago, uh, I went to McDonald's, and I got a cup of coffee. They have a senior rate, praise God. <laughs> and I got a coffee. And I came, and sometimes, I, I know, I went to different places, but I was by myself. And sometimes I used to come to the parking lot here on a weekend before services or whatever, and I, nobody would be here, and I'd just walk and I just thank God for the property and the building. I don't understand how in the world you did that. And you used me somehow in this place. Are you kidding? And I would go there. And then I, I, I left my, my t- cup right there in the cup holder. And I, I came back. And uh, I just decided to walk to another place or something. I came back. When I came back the first time, I looked. I said, I didn't drink that much. What happened? And I put it down. And about 20 minutes later, I came back. And it's, what? Who's, who got in the car? This is down, and then I looked. It was all in the cup holder. There was a hole in the coffee. Well, when you see that, as I came home, I lifted it up, and slowly from the bottom, it was just, what's the word we like? Leaking. It was leaking. Well, that's why we have to continue to be filled. By the way, the, the McDonald's guy thought I was an idiot asking for an empty cup. But I used the opportunity. I says, I'm using it in a sermon at my church. Yes, I got him. I got him. Now, we will learn about one thing, a spiritual leak that affects every single person. Listen to D.L. Moody very quickly. The greatest evangelist of the 19th century was asked why he 
said he needed to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Brilliant man. Thousands of people came to the Lord. He said, because I leak. Because I leak. Now listen to this. You know the name Billy Graham. Listen to his statement. Our failure to be filled with the Spirit constitutes one of the greatest sins against the Holy Spirit. It is interesting to note that the command to be filled with the Spirit actually means to be continuously filled. We are not filled once and for all like a bucket. Instead, we are to be filled constantly. It might be translated, be filled and keep on being filled. The greatest reason, this is Billy Graham, that continuously filling is necessary is because we leak and sometimes, he's included himself, I'm including myself, sometimes we leak badly. Now think about that. So you say, well, what is a spiritual leak, Pastor Mark? Very simple. Here it is. We move back under our own control. I don't really need you, Holy Spirit. I'm wise enough. I got enough power. I've got enough experience. I really don't need you. I'm fine. But we find out when you try to do that in your own wisdom, strength, and power, it will never work. We are not God. He is perfect. He's all-knowing. And one of the things I read, I don't have time to read the whole article, but Ari Tori said this, and I'll shorten it. One of the saddest sights among us today in the world is people who were on fire for God and used the Holy Spirit in a practical way over and over and over again. But now they received the baptism five years ago or 20 years ago, and now it's all over. They never got filled again. They were awesome when they were filled, and then they, le they leaked, and they went back to a lifestyle that wasn't what God wanted. So what is he talking about? What is this leak talking about? Very simple. Take a look, Galatians 5.17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to our sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. Remember, when you became a Christian, your spirit was totally removed. Basically 100% renewed. Sin's gone. But you're left, I'm left, with the old sin nature says, I'll do it my way. It will be with us between now and when we go to heaven. It's a battle that's always there. We call it our flesh, the sinful nature. And when that happens, we understand if, if I'm not filled with the Spirit, guess what comes in and fills my life? The flesh. I don't have time to read all the verses, but we'll carry some later. Now, when we try to control our lives, instead of submitting to His control, we never please God, and we're basically ineffective in any kind of ministry. We don't care about the time. Forget the operation. The, the, basically, the opportunity. I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's what I'm going to do. That's it. Boom. 2,000 years ago, Paul knew that the Christian life was not a playground. It's a battleground. He knew it. He'd fought it. And that he is why he told us to continue to be refreshed and refilled. Now, 
This was a brilliant man many years ago. His name was William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Now, look what he says. I want you to just look at that for a moment. Listen, I'll read it to you, but look at it. The chief danger, he said, this is many years ago, of the 20th century, it will be religion without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Just a word. Oh, yeah, I'm saved now. Bye. Here's the big one. Politics without God. Could I hear an amen right there? And heaven without hell. Can I say to you, that statement from William Booth is right on dot in 2021. And it's getting worse. Do you understand that? Can you imagine what God gave him that way back? It's exactly where we are. So why? Well, we're in that battle. It's over and over and over again. Now, the Holy Spirit is still at work today. He's still in charge. And, but so many Christians are Christians, but they've never been filled, or they had the one experience of being filled with the Spirit, but they don't walk through the door to the Spirit-filled life. They don't move on. So they don't really know that they're insufficient. They go to church, and they love God, and they read their Bible, but nothing's really happening through their lives. Remember, the valuable thing is people that are lost. It doesn't mean we're going to all be, no, nobody's going to be an evangelist like Billy Graham. Give me a break. But we can see opportunities that God opens for us. So we simply go back to operating on our whole own human strength, and it doesn't work at all. God cannot fill us unless the Holy Spirit is empty of self. So let me just run these by you. Satan's a great deceiver for all of us. And anything I'm going to talk about here affects all of us. You're not a, you're, you're not a sinner going to hell. We're, we all fail quite often with God. Notice, Satan is a great deceiver. What do you need to empty in your spiritual life? And God will help you. Help me. Apathy. Fear. Carnality, pride, self-promotion, self-ambition. You need help? I'm the one that can help you. I've got it perfect. Really? Did you ask God? No, I don't need God. Don't listen. Move on. How about remembering this? Where is the battle? You've been in his church a long time. It's right in the battle. It's right in the mind. That's where Satan goes. That's where he puts all those thoughts in. Remember what Paul writes? Look at this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? Think. Now, how do we change the way we think? Look at me. This is how you change. This is the mind of God. If you're not in the Bible, you are not thinking like God. You're going to think like the world thinks. That's the danger. That's the temptation. Remember, when Jesus was tempted right early in the ministry, Satan came to him. And he gave him all these crazy, ridiculous things. But they were tempting. Jesus answered every one of them with the word of God. He stayed spirit-filled life. Now, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Remember, Satan wants to control our minds. God wants to transform them to think like God. And this is how God thinks. You say, well, I'm smart enough, I don't need that. You need to get saved. 
I mean that kindly, because you will never change by yourself. It doesn't come from you. It comes from the grace and the power of God. Now, let me just show you this. For some of you that I've spoken to tonight, and it can be any of us on any day, let's read this. I'll read it to you. God loves us. He loves me, because I fall into this just like you do. You, God loves you, and it's time to repent and ask God to forgive you and be refilled and refreshed because that's God's will for you. So as you think tomorrow morning or Monday and you kind of read a passage and you go, God, here's one or two areas I'm not doing very good in. I'm sorry. I I repent. And when you empty yourself, guess what God will do? He'll fill you with his power and his love so we can be useful again. So the spirit-filled life is nothing but this, a, a lifestyle directed empowered by the Holy Spirit, living under his influence. Would you bow your head with me right now? I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Wherever you're at, Vieira Sebastian, I want you to pray for the people that I'm going to talk to who maybe have followed God, but then they got away from God, and they're trying to do their own thing, which is a dead end right to hell forever. But those of you... I know, love God, you know about God, but you don't have a personal relationship. So I'm going to challenge you tonight to make that big change in your life. Now, we learn a couple verses. You just learned one there. God's will for you, for every single person, is to become a Christ follower, a Christian. Another word, born again. Confess your sins, put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you and all your sins. That's the will of God. That's the number one will of God. Why? Because God wants nobody to go to hell when they die. Nobody. He wants everybody. It's available. It's been paid for. Jesus did it all. It's finished. All we do is repent and receive him as Lord and Savior. Put your faith in him. So if you want to make a recommitment to the Lord or start the very first time, Let me read this verse to you. If you openly declare Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll leave this night a totally different person. Because remember, right after that, all your sins are gone and the Holy Spirit moves right into you to lead you, direct you, comfort you, encourage you, open the word of God to you. So many things. He's a personal God. And he'll live in you. So bow your heads if you want to pray to receive Christ or make a recommitment. Pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I know I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. Now some of you are going to have to say, God, I knew you as my Savior. But I became cold. I took over my own life. I wasn't interested anymore in the things of God. But today... I realize I need to come home. I don't have the answers to life. I don't know what to do next. And for those of you, either recommitment or first time, just say this. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know you died for them. And tonight I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for this gift of salvation. Thank you for loving me. And I want 
to do your will in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.